through the show. Now, for many, this one may list as a maybe not even a guilty pleasure, maybe a proud pleasure. Uh, but few Canadian pop songs captured the new wave sound of the early 80s. I remember it very well. I can never get the hair right. Uh, the early 80s quite as well or as successfully as the one written and sung by our next guest. The Safety Dance was a worldwide hit for Men Without Hats back in 1983, reaching the top three on Billboard, the U.S. charts, the top 10 in Britain. I didn't know this until today. It never made the top 10 here at home, but it peaked at number 11, but go figure. Well, this year, believe it or not, marks 40 years, 4-0, since the album containing that track was first released. So I wanted to take a trip back in time to see what's become of the band. What do they make of the enduring legacy of that track in particular? One you'll still hear at just about any great 80s night anywhere, whether it be in your living room or elsewhere. It turns out that founder and lead singer Ivan Dorischuk has called, sort of had a quiet and decidedly not new wave life in Victoria his home since the early 1990s. The band, though, still tours regularly. They have a slightly different makeup, but they're still out there playing, and they continue to release new material. It so happens that we, we, Ivan and I, both grew up in the same neighborhood in Montreal, and we both now live in Victoria. I don't know what that means, but we never crossed paths until tonight. So joining me now with more on Men Without Hats, The Safety Dance, and so much more is Ivan Doris Chuck, lead singer and founder of Men Without Hats. Thanks so much for your time tonight. My pleasure. I was saying we both grew up in Outremont in much of that neighborhood of Montreal, not too far from McGill and the University of Montreal. We both wound up in Victoria, so it's it's great to finally cross paths. What's it been like to be back on the on the road, just out with audiences again? I mean, all of us were locked down for quite a while during COVID. It must be good to be out there playing live again and seeing people react to your music. Yeah, it's great. It's great. We've been having we've been on the road now for about for put the band together about ten years ago, played in South Africa and Australia, places that we never got to play the first time in the 80s the fans have been great we uh the great thing is it's cross-generational now and uh our original fans show up with with their kids and sometimes with their grandkids so it's a family affair it's great i was actually just at a concert in vancouver this week i went to see a new order in the pet shop boys speaking of the 80s uh, contemporaries of yours and yeah. yeah it was a really interesting audience because some of the people there were significantly older than i am i'm 50 uh and there was a lot of younger people there too what is it like to hear so much of the influence of those days, including obviously uh, Rhythm of Youth and the Safety Dance, to hear the, the, the influence of those songs still linger in modern music and still appeal to a whole new generation and other generations of people. Yeah, no, it's great. It's it's what what's one of the reasons we're still out here doing it is is that when you open up the radio, when I open up the radio, I hear I hear the 80s drum sounds. I hear synthesizers, robot voices. It's like the 80s all over again. It's it's been fun. We've we've reconnected with a lot, a whole new generation of fans through shows like like Glee, and right. uh, and a lot of other like sort of popular pop pop culture sort of adult cartoons, and uh, so it's 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 been fun. It's been it's been a whole new adventure for us. It, and, and the band itself too is. Uh, I'll ask you about about the eighties in a bit, but the band too has evolved. It's also a multi generational affair now, is it not? It is. It is. We have uh, Collins. Uh, my brother Colin's daughter Sahara is in the band now with us. Must be interesting. Must be different. It is. It's fun. Well, she's she's been around the band for for her whole life. She kind of right. grew up with the with the band, so it's it's no uh, she's no stranger to the whole thing. 
I want to go back to the to the early '80s and just the the. I mean, I, you know, you were from Montreal. I was from Montreal. It was a big deal that a Montreal band, and there'd been a few at the time that were doing pretty well. But it was a big deal for a Montreal band to uh, to emerge at that time and what had was pretty. Uh, big new wave movement of the of that year of 82 83 um how did the song come about the song the the origin story of the band uh was that i was in a club well this happened a couple of times but i would, I would be in a club and it was the end of the 80s uh, sorry the end of the 70s it was the dying days of disco and every now and then the dj would slip in a, a new wave song he'd slip in a, a b52's rock lobster or a devo song or or you know some, something new wave and we'd get up and start to pogo and we'd be jumping up and down pogo was the uh, the original slam dance the precursor to slam dance and the mosh pit nobody had ever seen it before and they thought we were fighting we'd be bouncing off each other jumping up and down and we get kicked out and we got kicked out a few times so i went home and wrote wrote this anthem to uh freedom of dancing and there it was and just the when you first recorded it, I mean, I'm not sure how this works, but when you first, it wasn't the first um, single off the record. I remember that. Uh, but when you first put it down and you, did you have an idea that it would be huge? Because the sound was, it sounds were evolving back in the early eighties. I mean, things were hits in 82, 83 that wouldn't have been hits in 80 or 81. Well, I'll tell you quite frankly, when you're a young songwriter, you think that every th song you write is, you know, destined to be a massive hit. I didn't, we didn't think it was going to be the first, you know, we, we didn't choose it as the first single. We chose, uh, I got the message instead. Both songs made it into the top 40 in Canada. It was good enough for us that the record label that we were signed to a little label in England, put up the money for the second record. And so we were, it, it's while we were in studio doing the second record that the remix of safety dance hit number one on the billboard dance charts. And that's when the whole thing really took off. Yeah, I think even at the time, a lot of people were surprised that you were Canadian because the, the 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 record that you were most known for sounded so of the time British, and yet it wasn't. Here was this group from from Montreal. Yeah, well, it was also the fact that we were that when the record first came out in in Canada, it was came out on import because we couldn't get a deal in Canada. We weren't too happy because the record was like twice the price of every other record in Canada. So. Yeah, you'd have to go to Dutchies in, on St. Lawrence to buy your record instead exactly. of Sam the record. Man. Phantasmagoria. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember all those places for me. I mean, Montreal was a great record town back in the day. And even when it came to, to music, like when it came to New Wave, a lot of bands were broken in Canada or in Montreal specifically. A lot of uh, British imports were put out at home first. So there was always a big... Uh, there was always a big audience for that for that music in the city itself. Yeah, Montreal was a really interesting place as far as music is concerned. I, I compare it to New York uh, a bit. I call it the Little Apple because the artistic scene in Montreal is 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 a lot like New York. It's it's made up of people that that aren't from New York or aren't from Montreal, and the the local music scene in Montreal was very small. It was about the size of Hamilton's local music scene, but it was made up of of musicians from all across the country. And it's almost as if to be legit in the music field, you have to have spent a couple of years in Montreal slogging it out. Yeah. Um, what was it like, Ivan, just just at the head of the, at the height of that? Because it must have been pretty, it must have been pretty overwhelming to, to that song had such success. The band had so much success so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, MTV was 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 a big part of it too. That's my face became instantly recognizable too, and that was that was a big shock for me too. So I was like. I remember the first time what happened was I, I, we got off the tour bus 
it was somewhere like in New Jersey or something like that. And we, we just went into a supermarket to get some, some supplies. And I was, I was checking my stuff out. I was paying for my stuff. And the, the cashier looked at me and she started screaming. It's him. It's him. It's him pointing at me. It's him screaming like hysterically. And the first thought that crossed my mind was she's confused me with somebody else. She's, she thinks I'm like somebody who, who robbed the store or something like that. And finally, another cashier came over and she said, what's the problem? And she goes, it's the guy from the video. And that's, I realized what was going on and was, ran back in the tour bus and my life's never been the same. No, exactly. Um, there was other success in the 80s. I mean, Pop Goes the World was a very different kind of record. But I mean, you, this, your, your sound evolved as well. Was it tough in that time not to get caught? I mean, not to get caught in trying to make the same record over and over again? Yeah, well, like, the you know, obviously the record company wanted Son of Safety Dance and Return of Safety Dance and <laughs> Beneath the Planet of Safety Dance and, and so on. But we were quite fortunate because between Safety Dance and Pop Goes the World, there was a big technological revolution in the music instrument world. There was a, a, a system called MIDI was invented and came out between those two records. And MIDI was a, is a system that still exists and it allows you to hook up all your keyboards and your computers and your drum machines and your sequencers and everything all together and run it with one finger. And that was just like, for us, it was just like, that was just a brand new world. It, what makes the charm, I think, of... of of rhythm of youth is that everything was done by hand. It's like, it's like artisanal. It's it's, 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 you know, we had no sequencers. We had no, the only thing that was sequenced was the drum machine was the drum box. And that was just playing a straight beat. There was no programming. You couldn't program. The only thing you could program was the on off switch on those things. So that was it. There was a big change. And so that's the change in the sound. We could do a lot more things with, with keyboards. when we came to pop goes the world. You spent the last, I mean, I was reading an um, interview you did with the local paper in Victoria recently, just about how you kind of then came out here about 20 years ago and and found um, something very different from that experience in the in the grocery store in New Jersey, sort of a, a certain um, quiet anonymity, but in, in some ways you get to pick and choose uh, when you're in front of an audience these days. Yeah, no, it's been great. It's, it's, I love, I love Victoria and we got, uh, we have, we got a lot of scenery to choose from. And there's a lot of beauty in this country. And I'd only been here once before, but like once on tour, we'd been here once on tour and I'd been here once to visit my brother, Colin, who had moved here before me. And that's when I decided, we decided to to, to move here. And and what now? I mean, you, you continue to tour, uh, 40th anniversary of Rhythm of Youth, obviously. Yeah. You've had a new version of the Safety Dance, the mid-tempo version, which I recommend people go listen to because it's very different. Um, but what's on the agenda for, uh, what, what's coming up? We have a, our next thing is uh, we have, uh, we're playing the uh, Winter Song Festival in uh, Stuffville, uh, Ontario in January. I think Stars is on that bill too. Then we do a tour. We're doing a mini tour of Quebec in, at the end of February and March. And we're, we're going all over the province. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. And so after the Quebec thing, we're going to be going, our, our agents putting together a sort of a uh, 80s package uh, to go across Canada with uh, a couple of, Canadian bands and one international band. I can't sort of reveal who it is yet. I mean, I hadn't toured for like 20 years and my first tour coming back 10 years ago was opening up for the Human League and B-52s all over America. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Yeah. It, you know, at the time, I, you know, my dad was in the music business. You know, he was a rock fan. I think a lot of people didn't take New Wave very seriously. And it's been remarkable to see how all that music 40 years later 
has now taken its place in the uh, in the echelons of music history, right alongside some of the sort of what we consider to be the classic tracks of the '60s and the '70s. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think its staying power is due to the fact that it's it's um, the melodies. There's a lot of melody in, in in the new wave. A lot of tunes you can sing sing along to. A lot of lot of catchy refrains and stuff. And and it's a dance music. It's it's a dance. There's always a dance beat to it. Which is why, like things like disco, is still around because it's a dance music. It's got it's got the right BPM, and new wave music is kind of the same thing. You know, that a lot of songs. There's a there's a lot a lot of songs. I don't know if people are going to be in 20 years if people are going to be sitting around the campfire singing Eminem songs or or what. But it's there's a lot of songs in the, from the 80s. And you never get tired of playing the safety dance. I would assume, or do you, <laughs> or do you? No, I don't. I don't. I tell you, I've said it before that I feel sometimes like the song is so much bigger than I am. So it's so much like everybody knows the song, but not everybody knows it's Men Without Hats. And and so I sometimes I feel like like a museum curator going around the world presenting this musical artifact to people that brings brings them immense joy. And it's great. That's what keeps us going, too, is that it just makes people so happy whenever we play it. I'd be like, how can you go wrong? We play it twice a show, actually. Ivan, thank you so much for your time tonight and for uh, for, for explaining the history behind uh, the track and the band, too. It's great uh, great just to see you still performing and still uh, making people happy with a number of records, not just that one. Okay, thanks a lot. Nice talking thanks. to you.